Hello, everybody, and welcome to another five-star podcast, a podcast from two dudes that are always considering going to the NBA and are sometimes watching movies. I'm Ryan Hensley, and, and, and I'm Sam, Sam Wolfcool, the, uh, the number one pick in the 1998 draft. Would have been me. <laughs> you before Jesus Shuttlesworth. I'm I calling think it. it. I think it would have been me, Jesus Shuttlesworth, and then, of course, Michael Olobacandy. Yeah, perfect. Perfect choice. <laughs> that's like a really – we'll get into it, but that's a really bad draft. No other yeah. way to put it. Oh, my God. I, I think about like a week before we watched this, I watched the like – or I listened to the Bill Simmons like redraft, redraftables. And they're just – the whole time they're just talking about how shitty of a draft it is. I was a huge when I was a kid. When I used to like basically every night, I'd like sit down and watch the Cavaliers. Huge Robert Tractor Trailer guy. Oh yeah, the Tractor Trailer, hell yeah. He <laughs> like he wouldn't even he wouldn't even be in the G League today if if he like was like playing today. Like he is such a player of his time, and even he wasn't even very good in his time. Yeah, like. I, I feel like going back in, in some of these drafts, you always are just finding players where you're like, Jesus Christ, like that guy can't shoot though. Like why he is can't he in move. the league? Yeah. He's just a big body. Yeah, tractor trailer. Tractor trailer really can't move. <laughs> no. My God, this is a we'll get into it. We'll we'll get there. Yeah, where that more things to come. More things to come. Uh so we like to start off every week by just talking about what the best thing is that we've watched in the past week. Uh, what have you been watching, my friend? I've watched some movies that I liked, like the one we're going to talk about today. And I watched uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which, you know, there's something about rich, white, attractive people just singing ABBA songs that, like, really gets me going. But for <laughs> me, the best thing I watched this week was for the first time in like four or five years, I rewatched Silence of the Lambs. And that is oh. truthfully one of my favorite movies. Like one of my top five favorite movies. It's incredible. Everything about the movie is so, so good. And I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about that movie, except I wish there was more Anthony Hopkins in it. I feel like it's just such a like slam. All right. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely. Okay. Oh, there you are. I'm back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. We were talking about Silence of the Lambs. Um, yes. It's such a like slam dunk as far as like winning the the big five Oscars. You know, like it's just one of those movies where it's like it just deserves all of like the recognition it gets. I found it interesting that like Anthony Hopkins was considered a lead actor because I mean the movie's like. He's like almost the main. He's not the main character, but like I mean, the movie doesn't exist without him. But like he's barely on the screen. Yeah, I think what he has like, it's like eleven or twelve minutes of of actual screen time, and in you know like a two hour movie, 
it's kind of crazy to think that he was the lead actor, but I, we talk about this a lot, like just kind of like bending those categories just to kind of get the, the win is, is funny to watch, but you know what? At least you can say it's, it won the big five now. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's another example of someone like he almost like bends it backwards where most people I feel like are trying to really become a supporting actor or actress. And he's just like, no, like I'm, I'm the lead. I may be in it for 24 minutes, but like I'm the lead guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's just like by force of will, it's just like, he's just so good. You got to give it, give it to him no matter Definitely. where he's nominated in. What about you? What have you, uh, what have you watched this week? So this week, um, me and my roommates have been trying to go through um, some spaghetti westerns. So we watched uh, A Fistful of Dollars and then For a Few Dollars More, which are both both just awesome. And I'm sure we'll be watching The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly at some point uh, during this next week, too. Um, and they're, I feel like they've aged really well compared to like the... Um, the like John Wayne Westerns, but uh, they're cause they're just, they move really well and, and the action looks good, even though it's super cheap. Um, and Clint, Clint Eastwood is just awesome in the movies. Were there uh, any obviously white people playing in the uh, native Americans? Thankfully no white people playing native Americans, but <laughs> definitely a lot of Italian guys playing mm. Latino guys. Good. <laughs> you know, that's fine. It, it, it's what it was. Yeah. You know, and uh, so so one thing, I think if you watch, watch these movies, one thing you'll find really funny is, like, in the 60s Italian movies, they didn't record any sound on set. So um, they, they dub it all in post. So basically when you watch the movies and you see people talk, uh, like pretty much nobody's words like line up with their mouth except for Clint Eastwood because he's the only one speaking English. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's so, it's so funny to watch. Like, like Clint Eastwood, you can see it just fine. And then like, you know, the villain will be saying something and, and you're just like watching his, it's like watching uh, the really bad dubs of like old monster movies like Godzilla or something, you know, where you see the mouth move and then the words come like a second later. It's really funny. <laughs> Great awesome. movies though. I, I'm excited. I want to watch them. I have a, I have a, a 100 movies, the ultimate bucket list poster where like you scratch off the movies as you watch them. And it has, uh, uh, the second one, a few dollars more for a few dollars more, and then good, the bad, the ugly on it. Both are great. For a, fist, uh, a fistful of dollars was good. You could tell it was uh, like cheap, really cheap to make. Like they don't even have like blood most of the time when people are getting shot. And like uh, for a few dollars more, like just that little bump in like budget, it just it makes the movie so much better. It's yeah. so good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Definite recommendation, though. <laughs> you got a uh, quick question for us this week? Sure. Do you have a favorite Oscars moment? So I was talking to you about this a little bit before, and um, I was really, like, waffling between the two, but I just feel like it's hard for me to not choose the, like, whole La La Land moonlight thing. Obviously, like, I wish, like, Moonlight would have just had its moment that night. 
but like also uh that's probably the most that like the oscars have emulated like watching live sports yeah and so that in itself was just super exciting (laughs) it's funny when that happened i like wasn't like i like i like i loved watching movies at that point but i didn't like know a lot about movies and i didn't realize that warren Beatty and faye dunaway were like literal superstars when they were at their peaks and that like makes it funny really funny to look back on it and be like wow like those are two like people who like have oscars who just couldn't figure it out yeah i and i i love too the the producer from from la la land that just like doesn't care that warren Beatty's holding the envelope and he just like snatches it out of his hand and then like holds it up to the to the camera it's so it's so amazing all of it i liked i uh I remember really liking La La Land. I want to rewatch La La Land, but a Moonlight, I think that's a that's a good win right there. Yeah, like Moonlight. the 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 reason I know that Moonlight, I think I like that movie a lot better than La La Land is like I've revisited it and I've talked about it a lot more than like La La Land since since that win. But both both movies were great. And both movies deserve to be right there. I got really defensive about La La Land because I had a lot of friends who were like trying to like catch up on movies at that point in college who were just like weren't even watching some of them being like, I just hate La La Land. It became like really popular to like hate La La Land. And I'm like, you didn't even, A, you didn't even watch it. Or it's like, you didn't, you just went into it with an attitude of being like, I'm going to hate this movie. And I was like, that's not fair. La La Land was, was good, if not very like, just like over to- overly talked about. Yeah, like maybe too overly hyped. Like I had a friend that was like, it's the best movie of the decade. And I was like, uh, no. But like, it was a really good movie nonetheless. Yeah, Definitely I love deserved- it. I remember the moment it opened with like the, uh, the singing on top of the cars. I was like, I'm hooked. This is it. This, yeah. is, this is the movie for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just so good. It's so well done. But Moonlight, Moonlight, I mean, is amazing too. Um. Mm-hmm. You got a moment that you that you were thinking of? I love watching just anybody win Oscars. Like when Leo finally wins one, it's awesome. And when like Matthew McConaughey wins one, I love it. I also love when uh, Jordan Peele won his for original screenplay. That was a really cool moment. But I think my favorite one is when Cher won for Moonstruck. Because like they they put all five women on the screen. And like when she wins, like she like she's just like so just like ecstatic about it at first and she's like hugging everybody around her and they like show Meryl and Meryl who was nominated that year is like pumped for Cher and I just love Moonstruck it's such a such a surprisingly good movie her and Nick Cage I need to watch that movie I've heard such good things about it and like I I know like my my parents always talk to me about watching Moonstruck I was like really like the movie with Cher and they would always be like, "Oh, but she's good in it. She's really good. She's in really it. good in it. She's uh, I think I think what blew my mind about it is uh, she's forty one in the movie, and Nick Cage is twenty three, and they look about the same. Like honestly, like if you told me they were both like thirty, I would have been like, okay, yeah, that's good casting right there. Honestly, <laughs> it's a great movie. I I watched that. This is I I watch movies in weird places, but I watched that in there's this like a coffee company in milwaukee called collectivo and i just like sat down in like uh like a chair had like a little table on it and i was like watch that movie instead of studying for the cpa good choice <laughs> yeah you know what that's a great way to procrastinate 
It was awesome. <laughs> it was just such like a fun little little movie. But uh, I just like when it's like it's just like one of those. I like when it's like a moment when someone wins and everyone's like hugging and everyone's like really really excited about it. And it's someone likable, like Cher. It's not like when Casey Affleck wins and everyone's like, Ugh, Casey Affleck won. <laughs> Yeah, like when it's like a positive moment where you see like people in the crowd are excited, like that. That's always more fun to watch than yeah, like you said, like where people are kind of like yikes, the yeah. <laughs> the academy might have gotten it wrong here or something, you know. <laughs> I I went back and watched all the people win from the Oscars that we talked about last week. I, like when Benicio wins, it's like awesome because people were really excited about it. He's like strutting up to the stage. And then when Russell Crowe wins, like, he looks like he can't believe it. And he's just, like, <laughs> sitting in his seat just, like, like he's shocked. And, like, Joaquin Phoenix is just, like, kissing him and being like, yeah, like, you won, you won. It was That's really amazing. Cool. Then, oh, my God. I, I highly <laughs> recommend just go back and be watching all of them. And Julia Roberts is, like, all smiley and, like, super excited. And let me think of the other one. Supporting actress, that was uh, – oh, it was no one. We didn't watch that movie. But uh, it was cool. <laughs> it was really, really cool. I uh wow, this has got me feeling good. I'm ready to I'm ready to head into our into our main main talk here. You ready? Oh, born ready. <laughs> so we watched uh, this past week. We watched the Spike Lee film from 1998. He got game. Uh, what did you think about he got game? Uh, kind of say that I think it's funny that the the first person to say he got game was Michael Jordan in the movie. Like, no one else said it until they panned all the different NBA stars. And finally, you get to Jordan. He's like, he got game. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I, uh, I really liked it. It was, uh, was kind of long. And, but like, it was, I'm not saying like it was long in a bad way. I just mean like I, I looked at it and I was like, ah, it's kind of a daunting task to watch a two-hour and 17-minute movie. But I thought it was like a really smart – sports movie that also had a really good way of bringing in like it kind of it, it talked a lot about like how tough it is for certain like for people growing up in like areas that are just like aren't benefit like aren't good areas and it had a nice like father-son relationship and it also had it, i i like i like uh i feel like every day i hear about a new like college scandal about someone accepting benefits i saw, thought i thought it was kind of cool to kind of see like how ray allen was just getting like tempted with benefits all over the place um I, I actually really liked it. I thought it was a really, really well done movie. And I'll definitely get into more of like what I thought about it as we like go through the questions. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, you, you bring up sort of like hearing about the college scandals and it is ironic that we chose this movie in the same week where USC decides to like stop distancing themselves from Reggie Bush. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know how that lined up so well, but it did. That was, the, but, um, I hate those updates. I get that about, Reggie Bush and I'm like I didn't even know they were disassociating like I'm pretty sure I didn't know that was a thing you could do and I'm like OJ Mayo and it's like wow it's like these yeah. are just some names <laughs> like USC is really making sure they're on my radar this week yeah exactly <laughs> it's those like quarantine updates you know yeah. nothing's happening in sports and they're like ah we, we can send a notification out like this it's like great thank god I was I, lo- I haven't slept since 2005 when they disassociated <laughs> themselves <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It is funny though to like watch this movie and and think about that that and and uh, you know like you said it is I think the most interesting aspects of the movie are watching like Ray Allen B 
be like kind of pulled in every single every different direction and obviously like his relationship with with his dad played by Denzel um who is just so so good in this movie mm-hmm. um and i i think it's uh you know like i we're we're both sports fans so i think you know it's easy for us to like know about some of these things that go on with athletes I think probably in 1998, people were a lot more naive as to what was going on. And I think if you're not like a sports fan, you don't realize like all of the pressures that um, go into like an athlete making this decision. And I think the movie does a really good job of depicting that. Uh, and that's definitely like when the movie is the best, I think. Yeah, when it's focused on Ray Allen and what he like wants and especially when like Denzel's in the picture, I think, I think it's at its best. I think when it's like Denzel doing other things, I think it kind of slows down to, to where you get, I get a little confused on what the movie's really about. Yeah. Like I, I, I like, like, you know, watching the stuff of, of like Ray Allen is this great player because of how hard his dad was on him. But also like he has a horrible relationship with his father because of, just how awful he was, you know? And then like, now he's in this position where he kind of can like try and support his family, but he's got to also decide like, what's, what's the best for him. And um, yeah, it's just really fascinating to like watch that all play out. And yeah, we'll get into it later, but yeah, when, when it's veering from that sort of like topic, it um, is not as, as sharp as, as in the other moments. I think one thing that I just kind of thought of that bugged me about the movie looking back is I don't think they actually ever gave Ray Allen's character enough credit. They kind of make it seem like he only became this good of a player because his dad like pushed him really hard, which I bet that's a lot of the case. But I I think you obviously have to do some of that on your own. And something that also kind of bugged me is I never really understood what Ray what Jesus Shuttleworth Jesus Shuttlesworth Ray Allen's character like wanted to do. He never mm-hmm. really led on to being like, Oh, I want to go here, but everyone's pulling me this way and that way. But I want to do this. He didn't really seem to have, he was just like, I just want to take care of my sister and I want to go to school on a full ride. That's basically all he cared about. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I also, you know, like I just wanted to see like one scene where we see him be like really fucking good in like a basketball game. You know, like, we get a couple scenes, like, a couple highlights and things like that. But I wanted, like, one game where we watch him, like, hit a buzzer beater or something. Because mm. um, some yeah. of the, like, melodramatic scenes feel a little bit, like, long. Or, like you said, too, like, some of the se- side scenes with, like, Denzel. It's like, uh, I don't know what's really going on here. <laughs> so, I guess to start, to, to continue to start, uh, where does this rank... I don't know how many Spike Lee movies you've seen, but where does it rank for you with Spike Lee? Like, what, like, was it obviously a Spike Lee movie? Yeah, it definitely felt like a Spike Lee movie to me. I mean, uh, you know, we're well into his career at this point. I, so I've seen, uh, according to Letterboxd, this is my fifth Spike Lee movie that I've seen. Mm. Um, I think I like, right now it's like probably three of five, if that makes sense. Um like do the right thing and black Klansman, I think are still like the two favorites of mine that I've seen of his. Um, and then I definitely like this better than bamboozled and clockers. I, I would put it on the same level as this one. 
Um, but I think I'd probably put it above clockers just because I do enjoy like the sports angle of it, I guess. And that I think it like, I think that's one reason why it feels like a Spike Lee movie is like, he, everybody knows he's such a big fan of sports. So and I like, I like that he kind of made a movie about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I knew a Spike Lee before anything else. It's just the guy courtside of the Knicks games. So I think you're completely right. And I think he would know better than a lot of directors about like the sport of basketball. Cause he loves basketball so much. And it probably, his name probably, uh, help to get some of those superstars to do that whole video package about Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I think the, the quality of some of the scenes of like basketball in this are only possible because it's Spike Lee, I think. And he's just so famous and outspoken. <laughs> and I think Spike Lee would know better than a lot of directors uh, about like the street, like what street ball would look like. And I think that's how it felt. It felt really authentic. Like that, like one of the first scenes when, him and his buddies are playing street ball. I wish that scene was like 20 minutes long, honestly. I could have yeah. watched the whole game. But I, it just felt it was like a really good scene and it felt really authentic to what the actual experience is probably like trying to get a game and the the trash talking was a little the trash talking was kind of I thought it was a little subdued, but it was cool. <laughs> Did uh do you have much familiarity with Spike Lee? Is this uh somewhere is this with this fall in a ranking for you? Uh it fell in the number 2 of 2. <laughs> Uh, if you if you want to talk to me next week, the Five Bloods is definitely like one of my main things we're trying to do this weekend. Uh, I only seen Black Klansman, Black Klansman, but even still, those two movies felt similar to me. Where like I think in both movies, Spike's like telling a story, but at the same time, he's just doing like I don't want to say goofy, but he's like doing other things on the side of just like telling the story. Like like when in uh, He Got Game, it kept. Uh, Every time they talked about the mom, it kept like just like panning to like a woman just like sitting there, just like looking at the camera. And I was like, this just feels like something Spike Lee would definitely yeah. do. Yeah, like you definitely sense his like style in this movie. And this is definitely like, I think, a, a, a movie where you really like pick up on like what is his style. And sometimes that is a little bit to the detriment of the movie. Yeah. I, yeah. For the most part, I liked it. Like the opening scene, if we want to, we could just jump to talk about the opening credits. I thought they were, yeah. uh, I thought they were strange, but they made me excited for the movie. In the, uh, it was just a lot of people shooting hoops, some people missing, and then they would just like show people just like looking at the screen. It kind of felt like like a Viagra commercial, just people like looking <laughs> at the camera, be like, yeah. It was sort of like infomercially, wasn't it? It's- yeah, it was. <laughs> The graphics too are like the most nineteen ninety eight graphics ever. Yeah, they were. They really were. <laughs> I kind of like was like watching the the people shooting shooting basketballs to see like is there like some famous people in here that I'm seeing like shooting and no, it was pretty much just Ray Allen. <laughs> he probably just like went to the park a couple times and he was like, Do you want to just throw throw a couple shots up and just like laugh at the camera? Not laugh, just like look at the camera. <laughs> It's like perfect. Yeah, let's do it. Let's hit you it. You did good. What did you? Uh, what did you think of the score? It was pretty unrelenting. I felt. Yeah, the score is. I liked it in some moments. In other moments, I felt like it was maybe too much. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, in the moments where things are like going wrong or think, you know, 
where it's like a really dramatic moment. I thought it worked really well. And then other moments, there's like kind of smaller moments where the score is just like, you know, and like, then I was like, okay, let's take a little like silence here. I agree. It like never really stopped, which I thought was both good and bad. Like you said, Um, it it wasn't necessary the whole time, but I think, I think if it's either you get none of the score or all the score, I'm happy with all the score. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, there was definitely a point like an hour and a half in where I was like, I don't think there's been a single scene without this music in it. Yeah. <laughs> then I was like, oh shit, okay. And then I started really picking up on the music like more there and I was like, oh man, it is like it is just really blaring. Okay. It is it is just like over the top and but it was nice. Like it was like a nice uh nice beat. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a good score. It's very like dramatic, I think, but it's a good score. What did you think of Ray Allen's acting? He's uh he's doing his best. He's doing he's doing his best. Uh the scenes where he's like with Denzel, I think are a lot better than like the scenes say where he's like with his sister. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. He's That was yeah, like him and his sister, like uh, the sister is doing an okay job for like a child actor. And like Ray, uh, God bless him, he's giving it all, his all. But like you could tell that he, he like really was a little bit out of his element. But I think he is better than he has any right to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, I liked him in just like regular conversation. Like when he was like talking to Denzel, he was I thought he was really good because he was just kind of playing off him. And even when it was just like him and Booger, I thought it was pretty good. But like the scenes with his sister, I thought weren't great because for the most part, he was like raising his voice, which I think is kind of where he kind of lost his touch. And even the scenes with uh, with uh, Rosario Dawson's character, I didn't I didn't really feel were great. I, I, I think part of that has to do with him and Rosario Dawson. Like I love Rosario Dawson in this movie, but she was still pretty young at this point. So I think she was still trying to get her feel for the movie. And I don't think I think it was to the detriment where Ray Allen was just kinda like didn't really have anyone to bounce off of the same way he could with Denzel. Yeah, like I think his his performance around like the the, the people that are really experienced actors, you can tell it gets better because yeah, like they're definitely like they definitely know how to like swing it back to him where he can do a little bit more with it. And then like where he's trying to get his feel. It's not, it's not exactly the same. It's the same, but I thought he, I thought he was good in scenes where like the dialogue was probably something he would say normally. So with like Rick Fox, it kind of felt like a natural, like here's this guy trying to sell me on this school. And like, how would this actually go given Ray Allen probably experienced that in his life. So I thought that was good. I thought that was good stuff. I liked also him with the like prospective agent. I I don't know why, like that guy is just like the most sports agent agent I've ever seen in a movie. Like they kind of play perfectly off of each other where like Ray Allen is like, I I don't know. And that guy's just like, it's all about the money though. I just want to make some money. Yeah. Yeah. I bet so, Ray Allen had that discussion with someone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like you could tell, like those are the moments where he's he's doing doing good. It's like when he's able to actually like put himself in Jesus's shoes. It's just not all, not all the time is he able to do that. 
I agree. I totally agree. Um, so I know like one thing that, uh, you were, you were talking about was like an issue for you in the first hour of this was, uh, and I'll, I'll let you go off on this a little bit. In the 1998 draft, you could just go from high school to the pros, mm-hmm. uh, without going to college. Uh, did this bother you that they didn't bring this up more? <laughs> I think I think once the movie went on, they brought it up enough. But what bugged me is like going into the going the first time you meet Jesus Jesus Shuttlesworth, he uh, he has no reason not to be going pro. Uh, I mean, if you look at this draft, the top three picks are Michael Olawakandi, who went to Pacific. Can you believe that? He went to Pacific. Ugh. Anyway, and then Mike Bibby and Rafe Loren. Rafe LaFrance. So there's really no reason why he can't just be like one of the top picks right there. And this was a draft that featured like Dirk and Paul Pierce and uh, uh, there's an, oh, was Richard Lewis in this draft? That I, yes, he is in this draft. Love that. Yeah. Guy. I was one, I was, uh, I was one of my, I, I always wished I was a little shorter so I could just be him. <laughs> so they wouldn't, people wouldn't force me to like get in the low block and I could just like be a Richard Lewis at the three, just shooting a lot. It would have been awesome. Anyway, and Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter in this draft, like it's, it's a good draft, but like there's no reason he can't be a top 10 pick. And if you think about where he's coming from, like he's supporting his sister, like he has all these people who like are looking for him to like kind of give some money back their way. I really feel like his first and only thought before his dad shows up and he's like, hey, man, go to big university or big state would have been to go pro. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. And, I mean, like you mentioned uh, Richard Lewis. And, granted, he went in the second round. But Richard Lewis didn't go to college. You know? <laughs> so, it's like. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, there's big-name people in this draft that didn't go. To, I feel like the premise of the movie should have been uh, that – I feel like the premise of this movie should have been that he was already going to declare for the draft. That's it's these other places trying to get him to go to school. If that makes sense. I agree. And they kind of tiptoe around the fact that like his mom wanted him to get an education a little bit. They don't like ever say it explicitly, but I kind of, there were a couple times I kind of got the drift of like, she wanted him to be smart and like do his homework and like continue to learn. But I also feel like his mom would have been much more interested in making sure his sister got taken care of. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I mean, like his is as, as, as nice as that is to like, think about, you know, him getting an education, like his dad's in jail, his mom's dead. Uh, like at that point you do kind of have to just like take what you can get there uh, when you're in that sort of situ- situation. Uh, I've got a I've got a question for you here, so I've got I've got the 1998 draft pulled up here. I'm going to read down the list. Tell me tell me when you take him here. Oh, that's tough. One, you take him before Michael Olawakandi. Um, I think you do. I mean, he that's such a bad number one pick. There's so many better players in this draft. <laughs> like. You got Vince Carter at, at five. Okay, that's a good pick. But like before that, you got Olawa Candy, Mike Bibby, Rafe LaFrance, and Anton Jameson. After that, you got Robert Trailer, Robert Tractor Trailer, 
uh, White Chocolate, Jason Williams, Larry Hughes, you got Dirk at nine, and then Paul Pierce at ten. I feel like he easily could fit in with that like white chocolate range right there. Oh yeah. I mean there's there's no reason he's not a lottery pick. Like it goes Bonzi. I love I mean, I love me some Bonzi Wells next. Like, <laughs> my God, like there's no reason he can't be a top fourteen pick and immediately make be a millionaire. Like you're telling me Jesus Shuttlesworth, the number one prospect out of high school, wouldn't go before Rasha Nesterovich at number seventeen. Like, like, come on. He's definitely definitely a top 10 pick, I feel like. Oh, my God. I remember Matt Harpering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely, uh, he's definitely a top 10 pick, and I think he definitely should have been going pro and getting out of, like, I think a lot of, not a lot of the movie, but I think one of the little, like, undertones of the movie was, like, him trying to get out of the projects. Yeah. And there, there it is. Like, he's out. He goes pro. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, he talks about, like, oh, my sister will study, like, wherever I'm going, and it's like, Oh, she's already relocating. Like, then relocate to where you're going to play, you know, for the rest of your career. And I'm trying to think if maybe, like, in prior years, high school players just weren't doing well. But in the 1997 draft, Tracy McGrady went, and he was obviously a superstar. And in the 1996 draft, you got Kobe coming out of high school. So there's pl- and Jermaine O'Neal who had a good career. So there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of uh, reason why he should just go pro. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, too, like that is sort of who, uh, other than, of course, Ray Allen, I feel like that is who uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth is supposed to make you think about is Kobe Bryant a little bit. Maybe that's just me, like, living in Los Angeles now and looking at this in hindsight. But, like, that was really who I was thinking about, where I was like, you know, Kobe went out from high school and, you know, look at the career he had. There's no reason why Jesus couldn't do the same. That's who Spike Lee wanted originally was Kobe, if you read the IMDb trivia. Apparently, he originally wanted Kobe, and Kobe Kobe said no. Really? Kobe would be good, I think. Kobe would be good. R.A.P. <laughs> True. Um, so, I can't believe we've gotten this far in without going too much into Denzel, but uh, did you like Denzel in this movie? <laughs> I thought it was his best performance I've seen. Of his, like, I've seen, like, Philadelphia, where he, I think he won an Oscar. Did he win an Oscar, or did Tom Hanks win the Oscar? I think he won an Oscar. Um, But, I mean, like, I think I like Denzel in, like, a grittier performance. In, like, a performance where, like, he, uh, where where he, he played, like, a lawyer in Philadelphia. But in this, he plays, like like like, a convict. And I think it's just something that, like, he's able to... I don't, I don't know the I don't know what I'm trying to say, but he like does a really good job with it, where he's able to still like make himself a really likable character, even though like he killed somebody in this movie, and that doesn't ever seem to really phase me when I'm watching it. Like they even show the murder, and I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, but like he he's a uh, I think this is my favorite performance of his, just because he he uh, he like becomes Jake Shuttlesworth, and you're you're rooting for him the whole time, and he, I don't know how many other actors would make me root for a convict. I I uh, definitely agree that this is one of my favorite of his performances, and I I, I love when Denzel, so uh, sort of similar to what you're saying, like when Denzel can play somebody that's really like fiery and like always at eleven, but you still kind of like, you still kind of enjoy being around him, you still love him, you know, like 
I we always rip on this movie. But like the bad version of Denzel being up to eleven is is like fences where he's just like an asshole screaming at everybody. Just and, yells and, the whole time. And like this yeah, exactly. And like this is is a performance that easily like could have annoyed the two of us the same amount. But he's like just so good at and Spike Lee just knows how to use him so well that like he's just so likable in this, even though like as you said, like he's clearly a reprehensible guy <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i just love when he like he plays characters that like always seem like they're one step from standing on their soapbox but never fully get on that soapbox like he lives on the soapbox in fences but like in a movie like unstoppable like the whole time he's like ready to really lay into a young chris pine for being too young but he never <laughs> fully does it and i think that's why i like that performance too and in this one he like I feel like he's got all this like knowledge and like world knowledge to teach, but he's just like, look, like no one, no one's really going to listen to me. I'm like I'm like a convict, and I'm just kind of, I'm just trying to do my best by my son. And I, I think uh, I think that's what I liked about his performance a lot. I love seeing the two sides of Jake Shuttlesworth too, like the the pre prison side of him where he's really like he really is like just going at his kid. And uh, then, like, seeing him kind of come out of jail and how he has to, like, change the way he acts around certain people, like, the way he acts around the police officers versus the way he acts around, like, his daughter versus the way he acts around Jesus. Like, it's just really fascinating to watch in this movie. Yeah, he, he, he does a lot of different things that I think if potentially they got someone else to play the role, I don't know if they would have been able to kind of bounce from like part to part within the movie and still uh and still maintain like the consistency yeah like he just does such a good job of like doing everything the movie needs him to do it's hard to like think of anybody else doing the role uh did you like denzel uh when it got to the part where it's him and uh dakota the uh i don't know what to call her the, she worked. Is, she worked the streets. The working girl. Yeah, <laughs> is that the right way to put it? <laughs> I guess so. Um, I don't know. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I like. I think the movie to me works the best. Like when we're watching Jesus and Jake together, or like Jake and the police, and like you know, it. Even though this was like. So one thing that I did like about the storyline was like seeing the vulnerability of him, I guess, like when they have that sort of like intimate moment and then something goes wrong and he kind of like stops and seems very like frustrated. Uh, I thought that was like a good little like insight into his character, but it takes like a lot. It takes like a lot of time to get there with it. So sometimes like we have in the notes, like did it slow down the movie? And I think like, yeah, it kind of did a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the first time it happened, it just kind of surprised me because the movie was like purring. Like, I think we were like 40 minutes in and I was like, this is this is going quick. Like, I wonder what's left to come. And then it was like 15 minutes of just like, oh my gosh, okay, so this is something. I, I think I think it was necessary to kind of have something besides just Tim and his son, but uh, I don't know if this was it. Yeah, like, I, I definitely like seeing that other side of, of- his character it's just like not every moment in that like arc is always compelling unfortunately but it does like it does at least go to like an interesting place 
definitely goes to an interesting place. Um, did, did you feel it was completed? <laughs> uh, not entirely, no. I Neither feel like there I. should have been a goodbye or something like that, you know? Yeah, that's what really bugged me about it is I kind of, like, as we were watching it, I was just kind of like, I feel like this is going to be something that, like, it's just going to kind of be a throw-in. And then it was, like, the last time they met, and I was like, ah, okay, if that's it, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <I> don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, a weird thing of, like, I maybe want one more scene with the two of them, but I don't want it to be, like, a very long scene, you know? <laughs> <laughs> True. I, uh... I did love, though, when it was Denzel and his parole officers. Yeah, they were great. Jim Brown is great as, as the PO. Was, was that Jim Brown? Yeah, that was Jim Brown. That's awesome. I love that. I had no idea. I had no He's... idea. I just I just saw him a couple weeks ago in, in uh, The Dirty Dozen. Oh, another good one. That's awesome. He's so fucking I, I read, neat. I looked at him, and I was like, who is that? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's great. Uh, so we we talked about Dakota a little bit. Uh, was Dakota your favorite non-main character? And if not, who was? Uh, I don't even know who played her. Like, I couldn't even. I, I was, like, scouring Letterboxd being like, who was playing this girl? There was What's someone that? named Susie who was pretty high on the list, but uh, I didn't remember a Susie in the movie. So Mila, um, Mila Jovovich as uh, uh, she's in – she's also in uh, – Dazed and Confused. She's in Zoolander. Um, I don't remember in Zoolander. She's in The Fifth Element. Oh, wow. Let me go to the Google machine. Oh, she's young. Jesus. Mary Joseph. She was young in that movie. She was like 23. Is she Russian? I think I'm so. I'm going to stop doing this. Ukrainian. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop giving you a, a verbal definition of her uh, her Wikipedia. Anyway, I, uh, I really liked Rosario Dawson. I think uh, I think there's something about like the dialogue that Spike Lee was giving her. I thought was amazing. Like the scene where <laughs> where her and Ray end up breaking up, and she's just like, "Were they right?" I always hear about when you go to college and there's those white girls. They're ready to suck your dick. <laughs> like the way she said "suck your dick" was just like so like it just like rolled off her tongue. And I was <laughs> like, "Oh my god, she is just chewing up this dialogue." Yeah, she's great. She was given, yeah, she was great. And she was given a lot of interesting things to do. And I don't think all of which were uh, built up enough for me. Like, I wish they focused more on her and uh, her uh, her uh, other guy that she was cheating on Ray Allen with. And I wish we just got a little more Lala in this movie. But um, I think a little bit that Rosario Dawson was in there was... Uh, was very good, and I, I think her and Denzel together are always great. Like they have one scene together, and I thought it was pretty powerful. It was a nice like Denzel really caring about his kid, and her only really caring about herself scene. Yeah, that I was gonna I was gonna mention that scene too. Like that is that that was my favorite scene with her in it. Like she's just so great in that, and like you said, like so still very young, like still trying to like you know get her footing in like a movie, but like definitely like when, when she has like a, a lot to work with in a scene, she does a really great job. And like, just, I agree. Like, I wish, I wish we would have had some more like character development with her and like the like side dude that she had. Yeah. 
She was only 19 in that movie. Well, not even 19. Like she, she was born in 19, 1979, so she was probably a little younger. That's a lot yeah. of maturity and a lot of, uh, a lot of skill. As someone who watches a lot of teen dramas, when it's actual teens in those roles, uh, it, it's just normally not as, not as good. She has such just not experienced enough. That was great. She, wow. She has such like presence in, uh, in in the scenes that she's in, like for somebody that young. I feel like we kind of talked about this a little bit with Scarlett Johansson, uh, where mm-hmm. it's like it's hard to do that when you're when when you're so young, but like it really like pops out of the screen when you do see that. It kind of reminds me, and this isn't a great comparison, but it kind of reminds me in like high school. Like draw like high school comedy drama movies like Tenth to Hate About You and uh and like Clueless, the way that like Cher uh again, who plays her? Uh Alicia Alicia Silverstone dominates the screen in Clueless and the way that uh Julia Stiles dominates the screen in Ten Things I Hate About You. It's kind of the same where when Rosario Dawson comes on the screen, you're just like, All right, what's gonna happen? It's probably gonna be important. Yeah, like I can I can just imagine people watching this movie in 1998 and be like, who is that person? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Spike had an eye. I can't imagine she was doing too much. I'll pull up Ryan DB. We can keep going, but I cannot imagine she was, uh, she was doing a whole lot prior to then. Maybe she was a child actor. I don't know. I think this is the like youngest I've ever seen her in a movie. I want to say, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep moving forward, but yeah, she was really great. Uh, in this, I'm glad, I'm glad we got the chance to highlight her. Um, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here since we were talking about the uh, the college visit. Uh, so, uh, you know, Rick Fox is in this movie as well. And of course, we have Ray Allen. And both these guys are NBA players already at the moment of the filming of this movie. Was it like a little bit confusing to you to see them in the movie not playing themselves when they should already be existing in the NBA? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like really cool to see him act, but it's also like, wait a minute. So we got a guy who looks exactly like Ray Allen, who's about to come into the league that already has Ray Allen. So, so, so does Ray Allen, is there just no Ray Allen at this point in time? Yeah, like, are we are we saying that that Ray Allen, like, all of a sudden, he, uh, are we saying that Ray Allen, like, just decides to like not exist now or something in this universe? <laughs> I had like a similar issue too with um, a lot of the like, like, so you you mentioned before, like, he ends up going to Big State, and Big State, and I'm like, Big State, what the fuck is that? Or like, you know, like Rick Fox is playing at Tech U. Where John sits around the coach, but then we're also interviewing like like Roy Williams, <laughs> and it, it's like Roy Williams, University of Kansas, and like Dean Smith, University of North Carolina. I'm like, wait, so the real things do exist, but then there's also the fake things here too. Like, wait, what? Huh? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why he didn't just like he cl- like Spike clearly had the rights to these schools to use them probably how he wanted. So I'm a little surprised he didn't go to like. I don't know where Ray Allen went to school, but I'm surprised he didn't just go there. Yeah, like, why was it not, like, Ray Allen choosing between, like, UConn and oh, North Carolina? <laughs> the, the one thing I will say about that is 
he's oh he's from okay i got nothing to say for some reason i put him in california i thought coney Island was in california nope it's in brooklyn yeah he could have gone to any of these schools he didn't need to go to a fictional big state like well if you think about it the governor's alma mater why didn't he just go to like i don't know uh st john's or something yeah like yeah jim Beheim in this like syracuse maybe true definitely Oh, I feel looked, like... I loved uh, how young they looked. George Carl, a young George Carl. That like that's the one that blew my mind the most. I honestly, it was it was weird for me to also hear Roy Williams say say Kansas University, and not you know uh, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that he was. Uh, I forgot that he was there. What about uh, Rick Pitino, head coach, Boston Celtics? <laughs> Rick Pitino sounded like he was uh, like. Uh, auditioning to get into the fourth Godfather movie, the way he's talking. <laughs> Seriously, oh my god! <laughs> I- ironic too that there's like the the visit where Ray Allen has sex with like the those those two women in that one room, and like Rick Pitino's in the same movie, and it's like, well, I think Rick Pitino knows a little bit about lighting that stuff up. Huh? I love that Spike Lee felt the need to get actual porn stars for that for that part. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that at like the time. And then now that you say it, I'm like, fuck you that they definitely were, weren't they? <laughs> I was like scrolling through the letterbox cast and I like clicked on one of the, one of the women and like their whole thing was just like, she made her name in adult films like this and this and this. And I was like, and I did like the next two and I was like, oh man, Spike actually got porn stars for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bold move, man. Bold move. Um, did so, you uh yo go ahead i was just gonna say i was gonna move us on a little bit uh and and ask you so um i think one one thing that we both have talked about is uh some of like the symbolism they use in this movie uh none none more obvious than than the the name jesus shuttlesworth <laughs> was that uh did, did did any of that get in the way for you? Just like random, like heavy handed symbolism in this. I thought it was really funny because obviously the whole symbolism, at least to me was, Oh, he's got to save his dad from jail. That's kind of what, at least in my head. And he's like the savior of basketball and his family. But I, I couldn't get over the whole video package where they put the crown of thorns on him. And then the whole picture on the front of Sports Illustrated where he's on a cross. Like, I just couldn't get over some of it. It was so funny. Yeah, like, it's so it's so heavy-handed at certain points, you know? Like, and and I, I know, like, his name was the, the only thing I really knew about this movie, like, going into it. And, like, even just watching this movie, I'm like, oh, my God, Jesus Shuttlesworth. I, I wonder, like, I wonder what that could mean for the story, <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. it, I, I think more than anything like obviously it kind of, maybe it got in the way it gave it, things to do in the background of the movie <laughs> It, uh, um, it, uh, yeah, definitely like <laughs> some of the other symbolism too, where, where there's like 
uh, I guess we'll talk about the, the final um, scene a little bit here too, where it's like the basketball flying in from the rafters and things like that really threw me for a loop. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I don't think it was necessary. And beyond that, I didn't really fully understand why the guard was about to shoot Denzel for walking close to a wall. Yeah, seriously. Like, he's clearly not trying to escape. And the guard is just immediately like, I'm going to shoot! I'll shoot ya! Yeah, and even if he is trying to escape, wouldn't the guard want to wait until... Yeah, you're right. You got to go. Uh, like, um, I, but it, it was, I also like a little ridiculous. I, I like, I like the symbolism of him. I feel like that whole scene, it, it just takes it a step too far, you know, where like, I like him throwing the ball over the fence as like a callback to when, when Jesus did that. But then like the ball, like falling from the rafters too, it was like the extra step of like just too far, like too, too much. And I was like, okay, come on. Come on now. Um, at least we got the one-on-one game. And uh, yeah, I think it at least it at least concluded the 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 film in like somewhat of a cohesive way, I guess. Even if it did feel a little bit weird. I agree. Are we really on so, uh, delay right now? Uh, <laughs> we are. We are. Or at the very least, I'm hearing you on a delay. I'm doing my <laughs> best, though. That's <laughs> awesome. So is there anything else you wanted to hit here? Uh, I just think we either need to both start dressing like Ray Allen in this movie, or we need to buy matching Jesus Shuttlesworth movie. You know what? I'm down for both. You'll catch me on this podcast next time in a uh, wife beater and uh, overalls and, and a big pair of Tim's. Oh my gosh. I wonder just a, just a ridiculous outfit. I wonder how much a Jesus Shuttlesworth Jersey is on like eBay. It's like twenty five bucks. Really? Twenty only twenty five bucks? I would do that. I feel like uh I, I <laughs> want to. That's amazing. Twenty five bucks for a Jesus Shuttleworth jersey. Awesome. But it's coming from like China. So who knows what could, it'll it could be here, you know, like next week. Could be here like, you know, New Year's or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I feel like I feel like we hit it. I, I I'm glad we watched it. I, I'll say like I had been meaning. I know I know that we've been kind of like circling watching more Spike Lee movies, and I think this was a good one, especially given like the fact that we're both sports fans, and it was an interesting movie that of his that I hadn't seen. Yeah, I think it fell into uh, an. In history to watch it. Literally planned the watches before it even started. 
And I think it's a good thing to watch before his next movie comes out on Friday. Yeah, like it, it's perfect scheduling, um, you know, like just as far as everything that's happening and then like the fact that his new movie is coming out. So I think we did well for ourselves here. Coming up next week, 2002 Oscars. Uh, where are you at? How many so have you, uh, I have uh, only watched The Fellowship of the Ring uh, thus far, but I will be, uh, I'm done with classes. I will be making my way through this list more consistently now uh, this next week. How about you? Where are you at? I've only seen Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, I'll probably Gosford Park. I'll probably watch on like during work early next week. And I know my girlfriend wants to watch uh, In the Bedroom and A Beautiful Mind. In the Bedroom, I think will be a, I think it's gonna be a banger. I can't wait for it. I'm I'm actually looking forward to that one after our discussion last week. I think like Moulin Rouge is gonna be the biggest chore for for both of us here. <laughs> I have a feeling I might like Moulin Rouge just because I know one of the songs from it and I love like any movie with like good music. So we'll see. Maybe I'll like them all. Maybe we'll have a heated discussion. It'll be good. <laughs> I guess I'll at least leave myself open with Moulin Rouge. I'll give it, I'll give it the good old college try at least. <laughs> oh, do you think that, uh, that wraps it up? Good. Well, it was a good week. I'm, I'm glad we talked about this movie. That's um, all I got. And we'll be back next week with the 2002 Academy Awards. Thanks, everybody.